A uh, couple things I want to do by way of uh, welcome and introduction today, uh, just kind of to help prime the pump. Uh, let somebody tell me, stand up and tell me, what is the theme of the conference right now? Finish his work. You get a free tea. All right, there you go. All right. So, uh, and uh, on top of that, what are the three things in regard to finishing his work based off of John chapter 4 and verse 34 that we're really asking God to help us steward and to, and to be faithful with? Oh, Kevin, you are so smart. Man, there you go. If you can't read the walls, man, there you go. All right, so you got it. All right, so those are the three things that uh, we're trusting the Lord to, to continue to help us uh, do and finish his work. We're here to, to win people to Christ, make disciples, and send uh, you know men and women, faithful men and women, to reproduce in other people and other places what God has done right here in our midst. So we're excited about that. Last night was a great, uh, man, it was, uh, it was a great time just having food having fellowship, hearing the testimony of Lee and Heather. And you're going to hear a little bit more from them here in just a little bit. But before we do that this week, every night we're going to be highlighting um, different missionaries that uh, we're either prayerfully supporting, financially supporting, and even physically supporting as we go visit them on the field. Uh, and, uh, and so we're excited about that. I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Pastor Randy. He's going to, he's going to uh, give a little update, and then we're going to roll a video. All right, well, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be here. I, I asked Brian if I could just take a minute and uh, just say, a, say something to, to the body here about, uh, I lose my notes, here we go, um, just about what Vision Conference actually is and what it, re- what it ought to represent. I mean, you know, we, we have this conference, Brian has talked about, he just mentioned some things that we're trying to do, trying to, you know, focus on discipling and, or, and, discipling and evangelism and so on, but you know, the question may be in some people's minds, which may be why not every single person that's a member of this church is not here right now, is what's the vision conference got to do with me? So I just wanted to, I just wanted to give you something to think about because while Brian's talking about some big vision things, I want to bring it down to a personal level for you to think about here. Uh, so what's so special about the vision conference? I'll give you three things right off the bat, and this is why you need to be here. There's, still, there's a lot of good food. It's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of fellowship for the ones that show up. But one thing that's most important about this and why we do all those three things is because it's about focus. It's about focusing your eyes and your heart to get the vision for how does this church connect to the vision of God and how do you connect to the church's vision and how do you connect, to, therefore, to the vision of God. And so maybe maybe you kind of never, I mean, we got a vision statement where we have a we have a, a theme for the conference and everything, and all that kind of ties in together. But uh, you probably have heard this before, but HBF has a vision con- vision statement, rather long, but it's to the point. It's that we're, we're um, gosh, Brian, you say it. To equip the, the, the saints of God and the, and the word of God with the, to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. Okay, so how does that fit to you? Well, you need to align yourself, and that's what this conference is about, is to give you, to show you all the things that we're doing. We put music together. We put food together. We put children's workers together. We put, we put a lot of fun things together. We just have a great time for one single purpose, so that you can take a week and focus on the vision that God has before you, because God's got a vision, too. Do you, anybody know what God's vision is? Maybe we could rephrase it. Maybe, we, you know, a lot of churches call this kind of a week, 
a missions conference. And uh, that's important, but really we call it a vision conference because we're trying to tune your focus into to see what God's mission is and then to see how you line up with God's mission. In Romans chapter uh, 8, verse, um, verse 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he could also predestinate to, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That statement right there, that verse, kind of tells you what God's vision is. Anybody got any idea what God's vision is, what his mission is? What is God trying to get accomplished? Hmm? To restore his image and lost man. Now, he's an HBI student. That doesn't, that's not fair. But that's okay. That is the correct answer. And I, So God's vision is to restore his image, his, his image, God's image, Genesis chapter 1, his image in lost man, to return them back to what they should be, that they lost in the garden. Our, our, our HBI statement aligns very well with that. And what I'm asking you to do is take this week very seriously, take this week and be prayerful about it. Does your vision line up with HBS vision, which lines up with God's vision? And if it doesn't, then what do you need to dial in, tweak and adjust to get your vision for what your life is supposed to be about, what your vision should be, Lining up with the HBF vision, lining up with the mission of God. Are you about the business of helping be used by God to restore his image in lost man? That's what this mission is about. That's what this conference is about, is helping you dial it in. And we do it once a year because every year we kind of start losing focus. We start we start looking at other things. You know, we, we just come out of Christmas. We just came out of the New Year's, uh, you know, and... Those kind of things take our focus off of what we really need to be focusing on. So I wanted I wanted to bring that up. I just wanted to say that because because Brian kind of mentioned a couple of times about the vision conference and it's like, well, how does that fit for every person that's sitting here? What does that look like? And so I just want to challenge you for that before we go on. Uh, Brian he mentioned that we were we we were going to inter- for me to introduce uh, some missionaries and some clients. We do get a lot of missionaries in this week and. Uh, because of the the state of the world it is today, we're not able to bring every missionary in that we want. And some that are local, that we're able to, to bring in somewhere in the United States, and it's easy for them to travel. Uh, but somebody like like Cody Walker, for example, which we're going to hear about from in just a minute, he's coming in by video. Uh, and uh, this morning we had Brian Clark in live streaming. That was exciting. That actually worked out really well. That was great. Uh and then uh, we're going to have some other missionaries coming in live streaming as well. And so that's where it is. But one of the things I want to talk about is a prayer support team because we talk about missionaries, we talk about missions, we talk about mission support. And so there's three ways that we support missionaries in this church. And church planters, I keep looking at Brad, and I think church planters got to be included in that too. There's three things that we do to support them. It's either it's by financial support, by prayer support, and by physical support. Now, physically would be maybe we take a trip uh to, to visit a missionary, do some work. We've, we've done that for almost every one of our missionaries that we support. Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, we definitely financially support them whenever we can. Even if the church is not able to financially support them, we have what we call approved and what we call supported missionaries. All missionaries are approved. They wouldn't be on the list. But a supported missionary or church planter means that out of the church's finances, we, we support those missionaries and, and church planters. Approved missionaries mean... We have 
saw what their God, what God is doing in their in their field, saw what the, God is doing in their work, and said, "We want to be a part of that as best we can." So we approve of their work, and we encourage you, as the body of Christ, to support them financially, prayerfully, and physically. Uh, so it's, it's a different level, but it's the same thing. So we have what we call prayer support teams. We have, I think, nine of them, or we soon will have nine of them. Um, and they're all in the bulletin, on a Sunday bulletin. You probably get this, and you look it over, and you don't really think too much about it. But on this list here is nine uh, missionaries that we have prayer teams around. And those prayer teams, what they do is they get together as a body. They get together as often as they, whatever they, some, some are once a quarter, some is every month, some is once a week. It varies. Uh, and they, they pray over the missionary and the needs of that missionary, not, the, not necessarily the work, but praying for the missionaries, praying for the church planters, getting behind them to, do, to lift them up to the Lord for their care, their needs, their protection, their, uh, their, their support, whatever it might be. And so on, in the bulletin, this list gives you the names of the prayer team leaders. And uh, uh, I, want to, I want you to really, if you want to get involved in any kind of ministry at all and you think, I don't know how to do anything, I think everybody in here ought to know how to pray already by now. If you've been saved more than five minutes, you know how to pray. And so get on a prayer team and be a part of that prayer. Some people are on three or four prayer teams already, which is really cool. Um, but we're going to talk, we're going to hear from Cody Walker here in a minute via video. And his prayer support team leader is, is Ray Blowers in the back here in the sound booth. And I think his meeting, when's your next meeting? First Saturday of every month. So that's when they meet. Ray's going to have good food there at his, at his meetings. We always have food. Amen. All right, let's watch the video. Hey, guys. This is Cody and Millie Walker. We're sending you this little video from the back patio of our house here in the town of Balnearia, Argentina. I apologize beforehand for any background noise or anything you might hear. The camera is sensitive, and it picks up maybe some of the noise from the street and the cars going by. So I, I apologize about that. But we just wanted to give you guys a little window into where we live and where we're at. For those of you who don't know us, we're missionaries to the country of Argentina. Three years ago, we were sent out by Lee Summit Baptist Temple. And uh, with the idea of coming here to the heartland of Argentina to start a church. And we were in the big city of Cordoba for almost two years, a year and a half. And we were helping another missionary while we were there to start a church. We used that time to kind of get acclimated to a different area of Argentina. When I came down here to study, I studied here for five years, and we lived uh, in Buenos Aires. My wife is from here, from Argentina, and she was from Buenos Aires. But, uh, you know, we just took a, a little time to get acclimated to a new area of Argentina and um, to be able to also do some ministry right off the ground whenever we got here. So we helped a missionary friend of ours, David Owens, to start a church. And um, it was a good experience for us to get the ground, uh, to get things moving when, when we got here to get the ball rolling. And um, February of last year, we took the plunge and moved our family out here three hours straight east of the big city of Cordoba. We're in the town of Balnearia. And uh, a pastor friend of ours who lives five miles up the north, um, when he heard that we were coming to start a church out here, started praying immediately uh, for this area. And so when he brought us out here for us to see it, he just wanted us to see the need that was here. The first thing we started looking at is there are no churches here in this town at all whatsoever. There's one Jehovah's Witness church, and there's uh, two 
uh, Catholic churches, one small little chapel and then the big Catholic church that's three blocks from our house here. And um, so there's there's no no one preaching the gospel here. There's there's not even um, you know any other type of denominations or anything here. There's no Pentecostal uh, groups that are doing anything here, and much less um, you know there's no one here that is preaching any kind of good doctrine or anything like that. So you know there's we immediately started to see the need here in Balnearia, but we thought you know if we're gonna go there, we need a place, and so. God started opening up the door and closing doors there in the big city of Cordoba. He opened up the door for us to be in the, the area that we're at right now, the building that we're at right now. Behind me, the window that you guys see is a window to the building that we want in the future to be the church. Um, a prayer request that we would leave with you guys is that God would uh, provide uh, financially and, and workers for us to be able to um, do some repairs in the building back here. It needs a couple of walls thrown up. It just needs some basic aesthetic things for us to be able to start holding services out there. Um, and so we've got a little a little building project that we've been encouraging people here to get involved with. And uh, uh, behind you guys, behind the camera, is our house. So right here on the same property, we have our house and the church, future church building, uh, uh, right here on the same property. So when we saw this and we saw the opportunities, we started praying for contacts. And God has taken us to person, uh, you know, person after person after person. We came here in February, and in March, the quarantine lockdowns hit. If you guys kept up with anything going in Argentina, you were bored sitting in your house under quarantine and started looking at what other people around the world were doing. Argentina had one of the longest quarantine restriction lockdowns of anywhere in the world. We were going on over, 100, uh, over 300 days whenever they lifted the restrictions and allowed non-essential workers to go back to work so it was really hard we came in february and then in march the kids couldn't go back to school we couldn't uh do any kind of activity door-to-door -door evangelism everything was completely shut down and so we started praying lord you brought us to this town to start a church and now we can't even meet people what are we going to do so the first thing we started doing was just making contact with the essential workers that were coming to our house to deliver things that we needed um here you know just our basic needs and then God took us to somebody who took us to somebody else. And then our pastor friend up here had contacts of people that couldn't go to church up there anymore. And so their friends, we started reaching out to their friends. We started doing discipleships with as many people as we could here in town. I was even doing a long-distance discipleship with somebody in another province over. And he decided to move here to our town to continue working with us and come to our church. So God has uh, given us salvations. He's given us, more than anything, discipleships and people that are hungry to hear the Word of God. Um, as soon as we were able, we started holding services here in the living room of our house. And um, now we're up to um, about 20 people coming to the services on Sunday mornings. So uh, I'll let that car go by. Like I said, sorry about the background noise. But we are so grateful to you guys for everything that you've done for us, for your support uh, financially. We are so grateful for your prayers. Um, just knowing that I can pick up the phone and call Pastor Brian and say, hey, we've had this happen. Could you guys pray for us? Um, just those things have been so important to us to be able to keep going now during this year. I mean, no one could have predicted that these lockdowns were going to be global, that people weren't going to be go back to work for months, that we weren't going to be able to do ministry, that uh, we weren't going to be able to have contact with other people. And even in the midst of all that uncertainty, the Lord was able to do His work here in Balnearia. And so I would ask you guys to continue to pray for us, uh, just for wisdom, Pray for the people here in Balnearia. 
pray for salvations, pray for good contacts, for people to continue to do their discipleship. We've got three people right now who have one more lesson to go and they'll be done with discipleship one. And Lord willing, um, at the end of this month, we're going to have a baptism service. We've got several people that are ready for baptism. So, you know, even in the midst of uh, all the adversity and everything that could possibly go wrong that you could think could go wrong, the Lord has still been able to build a church here in Bavaria. So we thank you guys so much for your support and everything that you guys do for us. Every birthday card. Thank you, yes, for every birthday card, anniversary cards, all the emails that you guys send. Um, it's just so encouraging. And so we're so grateful to you guys for being able to sustain us while we're down here just trying to do the work of the Lord. So thank you, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see you guys very soon, Lord willing.
don't believe you. <laughs> Anybody else been made clean? They're almost excited. I'm excited. That was awesome. You could have given the invitation right then, Pastor. Altar would have been full. That's good praise and worship. I mean, the praise and worship tonight had a full message in it. Good enough for bringing us to the altar. Amen? That's good praise and worship. Thank you. Thank you, music team. Thank you, praise and worship team. Thank you, media team. Thank you for everything that you guys do. Um, a person who remained nameless made a statement to me today. He said, we're evangelizing back here. Right. When you're involved in the ministry in the local New Testament church, the fruit that happens is for everybody that's involved. The fruit of this church is amazing. It's amazing. You just heard from a guy in Argentina, and he said to you, when something goes wrong, he has an amazing amount of peace because he can pick up the phone or text your pastor, and he knows you guys will pray. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I know that dude. We were together for a couple years. I don't know how. He had to have paid his wife to be that quiet during that. I know Millie. That has nothing to do with you. <laughs> That's that whole redhead, only child, part Irish, part Italian thing going, and money ain't going to stop that, people. So, <laughs> so I know it, we were supposed to do like a ministry update tonight, but God has filled the time that I have for this evening from his word. And so, with your permission, I'll just punt that over to the next night if God allows it. Okay? So, quick recap. We're going to read John 4, 31 through 34. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, said his disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? In other words... What in the stinking world is he talking about? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to, say it with me, finish his work. Right? Now, when we state what we're supposed to do, it should say the same thing. It's not finish my work that Jesus has given me. It's finish his work. You've had some things pointed out to you. Sending, shepherding, sowing. We talked about the urgency of that, right? You remember the three things I said we would be wise to remember to help us with our urgency? God hates sin. What else? Hell is real. What else? We've all been commanded. Woo, you guys are giving me goosebumps, man. That's awesome. Seriously, this is good stuff. You guys are remembering? That means you're applying. Good job. 
Okay, so we're going to touch on a couple other things here real quick. Next slide, please. We learned that teaching, teaching is instruction. We talked about that. There's a, there's a process that happens in discipleship, right? Because we learned that Jesus' method for accomplishing his work was discipleship, pouring into the men. Yes, he taught groups and multitudes, but then he turned right back around and invested the rest of his time in a small group of men whom he was discipling. We talked about that he taught them first. They went with him while he taught, and they were learning how to teach, but they didn't know that, but they were, okay? And so they learned to teach, and he was teaching them and others. Then he preached, okay? And preach just means to proclaim. In the passage we looked at in John 4, we learned when Jesus confronted her with the fact that she had been with several men, he was proclaiming that. We talked about the fact that in John chapter 1, when I talked about this book, yes, it's the Word of God, but it is Jesus because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. We talked about that. I was proclaiming that to you. That's different than teaching, okay? So teaching, instruction to do, instruction how to do, all kinds of instruction, instruction so that you grow in your knowledge, but preaching is proclamation, proclaiming. We talked about the miracles that happened after that. So he went teaching, he went preaching, and then he did the miracles in the passage we looked at. And the miracles... We talked about a very simplistic definition. My wife's cheating. She's putting it up there for you. Seriously, she's my clicker. Did you see her do that? Okay. So it's the personal impact of Jesus on somebody's life. That's a miracle. We talked about, hey, when I got saved, was it a miracle? Yes. Okay, so when he healed people, did that personally impact people? Yes, it was a miracle. Okay, so just a quick recap. We talked about discipleship. Well, there's a process for discipleship also. Okay, he taught, he preached, he did the miracles. But I want you to see something else. If you are discipling somebody or if you are in a discipleship relationship, if you're the disciplee or the discipler, next slide, please. I don't know if you can read it or not. I hope you can. There's a four-part process that should be happening that we see Jesus do with his disciples, okay? And, And the business world has even mimicked this, okay? Remember we said the business world's discipleship is called? OJT, on-the-job training, right? But discipleship should have four parts. The first part, your discipler should be, I teach, you learn. can be knowledge, can be instruction. It starts shifting over to instruction a little bit when you go from the first point at the top to the, to the next point, okay? So I teach, you learn, and then it goes to I do, and you help me do. 
That's still teaching. We're still in the knowledge aspect. We're starting to learn and be taught how to handle something. For instance, sharing your testimony. Okay? Share your testimony should have three parts. And the gospel should be intertwined all the way through it, by the way. Okay? Because I don't know how you can... Anytime I've ever shared my testimony with somebody, my next statement is, do you have a story like that? Right? And we, we go right into sharing the gospel. Right? Don't just share your testimony and turn around and walk away from somebody. That falls into the category that I used the word twice yesterday, and I got in trouble for it. You guys remember what that was? Uh-huh. So we know it's blank to do that. Right? Because I can say blank and not get in trouble. Right? Just not smart. Right? I'm not going to knock on a door, and when the guy opens it, tell him he's a sinner on his way to hell. That's not going to be the first statement that I make to the dude. Okay? It's just not a great way to open that conversation. Now, I'm a blunt guy. I can be very direct when sharing the gospel. But there's, there's a line that sometimes, if we're not careful, we cross where we offend the person instead of if they're offended, it's done by the word. Okay? We don't want to offend people. That's not our job. Let the word do it if they're going to be offended. Okay, so the first part, I, I teach, you learn, I do, you help me do. Third part, you do, and I help you do it. Whatever it is, whatever that topic is that you're learning in discipleship. I, notice I didn't say class. Notice I didn't say lesson. I hate both those terms with a passion. Okay? Because discipleship, you go through seasons. You grow. Seasons bring growth. Okay? So, I teach, you learn. I do, you help me do. You do, I help you do. And then, we go through that process until it's just you doing it because it's part of your life. See, on my bad days, I'm going to do the things that are part of who I am. But I'm not going to do the things that I'm doing just by checking off boxes. Not on my bad days. Those won't get done. I do not do the laundry for my wife on my bad days. I don't. But I still remember to tell her how much I love her. I still remember to tell her how beautiful she is, and I still open the door for her. It's a part of who I am. Laundry hasn't ever got that far. Okay? But something, as a Christian, on my bad days, I still share the gospel. Because it has become part of who I am. And that's the goal in discipleship. Anything you are learning and doing in discipleship should go through these four steps before. And I can show you how he, where he did this. You can see Jesus do this with his disciples. If I jump to the next lesson and I haven't done this, now I'm stacking knowledge upon knowledge. Pride cometh before the fall because you're going to get puffed up with all that knowledge. 
and you'll come, you'll hear a message, you walk out the back door going, man, Pastor Hedges, that was an awesome message. And you're saying that because you had seen something similar to that in Scripture. You could remember something that he was preaching about, and so it makes you feel good because you've got that knowledge here, and you're like, yeah, amen, amen, amen. You walk out the back door and ain't nothing changing in your life. Right? That is not what we want. That is not what he wants. That is not what this man wants. Am I right? Okay? We want application because that's what Jesus wants. Okay? So remember this process. Okay? Remember this process. It's important. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. What was his plan for reaching the lost? Discipleship. Okay, go ahead and turn to John chapter 11, 1 through 46. John chapter 11, 1 through 46. Little side note commercial while you're turning to all that, to that passage. There are some note sheets that I have been trying to make sure they're out here, okay? And if you pick them up, you'll see it has five columns on it, okay? If you start using that, I'll explain eventually sometime this week when I can slide it in that it's a biblical process too, okay? And it is a great way to be able to take notes from a passage and personally grow, okay? So snag those up and try using them during the sermons. Try using them during the teaching sessions. Try using them when you're just sitting there having an idle conversation with somebody, okay? You can use it at all times, all right? So, John chapter 11, verse 1 through 46. Before we do this, I am going to take a moment, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to start that process of prayer by using Psalm 71. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Heavenly Father, I need you. I trust you. You are perfect. You, you are love. And it is your work. It is your service, not mine. This is your time. Oh, I'm, I'm trusting you. Fill my ears with your voice. Fill my mind with your thoughts. Help me, please. Deliver me from any adversarial attack that he has lined up, Lord. Protect my mind that this room would be full of your voice, what you once said. We love you. We are trusting in you. You are everything. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to do this in chunks, okay? So we're going we're to chunk up a passage, all right? So John 11, 1 through 5. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby, is not unto death. Pardon me. Now Jesus loved Martha 
and her sister and Lazarus. So what we're doing in this passage is the same thing we did yesterday. Yesterday we looked at two different passages and we saw the process Jesus had for discipleship with his disciples and then we saw him turn around and use the exact same process when he was talking to the woman at the well. Okay? So I said you guys are going to get sick of hearing me say it, but we're going to watch Jesus use his process for finishing his work because that's what we need to be doing individually and that's what we need to be doing as a church. Amen? Amen? Okay. So in this first five verses, the background is an explanation of details of what's happening. Mary is known for her sacrificial love and care of Jesus. You see that here? And it says, Jesus loved him, Lazarus, and both of the sisters. We can see that in those first five verses. It also says they sent a messenger. So they sent a messenger to go tell Jesus something was wrong with Lazarus. That means they knew where he was. They had some sort of inkling of how to find Jesus. Side note, people notice the presence of Jesus. They know where to go to find Jesus. They do. You cannot miss his presence. Saul tried running past it. How did that work out for him? All right? The light knocked him to the ground, the presence of Jesus. All right? There's this other guy in the Old Testament that went up on top of a mountain and met with God for a while. When he came down, his face what? Glowed. Have you ever been going through your day, minding your own business, and somebody around you looks at you and goes, you're different. What are they seeing? The presence of Jesus. Can't miss it. They knew where to send that messenger to. Okay? 6 through 16. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. I'm just going to pause for a second. You guys will help me come back to the same spot. But if you were somebody who went to a certain place and the people tried stoning you there, do you think you would need a group of people to remind you that when you were there, people tried killing you with rocks? Okay, so remember that. Because, come on. So their intent was not to remind him. We're going to talk about that. There's no way. Okay? So, the, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay? So verse 6, he didn't just rush into action. He waited two more days when he got the news. He didn't say, oh, my goodness, we need to leave. He waited. He heard and then waited. 7 through 10, we notice these things. Instructions from Jesus' mouth to the disciples' ears. He gave them instructions. Personally, physically, they heard his voice. Disciples' response was doubt phrased in the form of a statement and question. Both times. Both times. Jesus said, here's what we're going to do. And the disciples were like, yeah, time out. They doubted, right? And they questioned his instruction. Aren't you glad we never do that? Do you remember the favorite part I, I told you, Matthew twenty eighteen through 20? What's my favorite verse? 17, right? Because it says they worshiped and some doubted. It's real, guys. You're going to go through it, so we better learn how to handle it. Don't take the stance, oh, that ain't going to happen to me. Okay, Peter. Right? Let's learn how to handle it. Jesus is so full of grace and mercy. He was there and he still is. He saw their doubt as a teaching opportunity and he responded in a way that would allow them to grow. He didn't run them over. He didn't annihilate them. He didn't destroy them and tell them to go away. 11 through 16 we see. 11 and 12, Jesus sharing what he will be doing, and the disciples once again listening through carnal ears explain away the need to go by using man-based logic. We do that all the time. I, uh, I'm sorry, I do that all the time. I'll just talk about me tonight. Jesus explained it more blunt. He's dead. Commitment to go, even though it could have cost them their life, even though they were doubting. Even though they kept rebuttling Jesus, by the way, they kept rebuttling Jesus, they still said, we'll go with you. That, I mean, thumbs up. Because they knew it was the right thing to do. Don't ever leave Jesus, no matter how bad things are getting. Don't ever leave Jesus. Follow him into wherever he's telling you to go, no matter how ugly it looks. Verses 17 through 37. So, by the way, we've seen him do what so far? Teach and proclaim. He's preached, right? And he's told him he's going to do a miracle. He's doing what with them then? Three of you. Awesome. He's doing what with them? That's an important thing. Man, I want it like rolling off the tongue. Okay? 
because I want it rolling out of your life. So let's, I'm, you know me, I taught kids for 17 years, so I'm, I'm looking for feedback. All right, 17 through 37. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that she as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and and in that place where Martha met him. Pardon me, I'm sorry. New context. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Sound familiar? When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? So there's a whole lot. In, in that chunk, a whole lot. Here's how I'm going to, like, just very briefly touch on that chunk. In this part of the scripture, we see more of the same from the perspective of Jesus meeting people where they are at and teaching them, instructing them, walking them through the process of growing in his ways and in his process. We see that when he's speaking to her. She, she, man, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't be dead. Did he defend? No. He, can't, he said, hey, what do you believe? Do you believe? He helped her grow in her. His faith. I'll say again. He helped her grow in his 
faith. Remember yesterday, I'm sorry, time's all running together on me. Remember yesterday when I was preaching and I talked about you cannot serve Jesus in your power. You have to serve him in his power. That's why Matthew 28, 18 is so important. He has all power in heaven and earth. So if, ready, easy math equation. If Jesus has all the power in heaven and earth, then over here, how much power do I have? Right? Come on. I ain't got squat. But he's got it all. Guess who has all the faith? Faith that moves mountains? Faith of a mustard seed? Why can't I move a mountain? I've tried. You ever tried it? I have. I've tried walking on water. I've tried sitting in front of the mountain going, I know I believe in Jesus, and you know I love you, Jesus, and I am just a man, but I'm asking, hey, I believe, I believe you can move that mountain, and it just sits there. His faith will move that mountain, though. Walk in his faith. Stop trying to walk in your own. Seriously. And I'm, you see where the finger's pointing? At me, okay? Tell me, stop trying to walk in my own. You guys want to join me? That, that's a good idea. Walk in his faith. That's what he was trying to get her to do, is to walk in his faith. She, he kept bringing her back to him. John 11 38 through 46. John 11, 38 through 46. Jesus, therefore, sorry. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, yeah, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Does that sound familiar? Everybody wants to correct Jesus. Everybody wants to tell Jesus the reason why they should not be doing what he's saying to do. Or he should not be doing what he's saying he's going to do. Right? We see it. We've seen it from the disciples and we see it from her. Okay? Jesus is so patient. So patient. He's talking about him stinking. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then she, then they took away the stone. You know what my favorite thing about that is? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. You know what my favorite part of that is? Jesus used people to move that stone. He asked people to move that stone. He didn't have to do that. He could have moved that stone. He could have had it crumble and fall into a bajillion pieces. He didn't do that. He called on the people that were there to move the stone. Okay? 
That's important. Remember that. He works through people, right? <clears throat> he goes, after, after he said, after it says that they moved the stone away, it says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Imagine how powerful that must have been coming from the voice of audibly. So we've seen him instruct the, the literal disciples. We've seen him tell somebody we know loved him enough to sacrificially give to him and minister to him, wipe his feet with her hair, ointment. We've seen how that went both times. They rebuttaled. Let's see how a dead person responds to Jesus Christ when he instructs him. Okay? And so the dead dude laying in the grave, Jesus cries out, and he, what happens? And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews, which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Verses 38 through 39, Jesus gives instructions. And once again, there's a carnally based objection to what Jesus has said to do. 40 through 42, Jesus patiently explains. And then he works through people to move the stone away. At that time, Jesus thanks his father for hearing him, shares it is for his personal testimony's sake so that others would benefit. Next slide. And woo, it's about to get good, y'all. I'm serious. It's about to get good. All right. So the dead man comes out of the grave. Nobody excited about that? How did he get out of that grave? He responded to what Jesus said. But what did Jesus make sure was done first? He gave the instructions for it. It was his process to prepare this person to be able to respond to the call to life. What did he do first? He called on people to move the stone out of the way that would have stopped that man from being able to respond to the call of Jesus Christ for life. That's what he wants to do with you. Wow, I'm scared. Are, we, are you guys excited? I just said Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you. Prepare, prepare people. Sorry, I got Spanish running through my head right now. To prepare people. Wait. 
you. He's showing you. It's part of his process, right? He gave the dead man instructions. The dead man came forth. No rebuttal. He didn't say, yo, Jesus, I'm dead. Hey, uh, I can't even walk right now because they got me all tied up. Can you do something about that first? He didn't do any of that. He came out of the grave bound, beaten hands, and napkin about the face. Okay? Came out of the grave anyway. He was in his grave clothes. I love this part. He's standing there. He comes out. He's in his grave clothes. What was the instructions next? Fine. You'll get it. His instructions were, loose him. It's a picture, guys. When I got saved, I had no clue. And most people who get saved, right then, they have no clue. And they're still wearing their grave clothes. They've still got all the habits of the world, everything that they've been doing and the way they've been doing it. That didn't just disappear when they got saved. And so he tells them, loose him. So that means they take it off his feet, right? They untie his feet. Why? So he can learn how to follow him. Jesus. That's our job. Unwrap his feet. Right, Josh? Love you, brother. Unwrap those feet. We got to do that when we're discipling people through that four-part process. We have to unwrap their feet. We've got to untie their hands. Why? So they can start doing godly works. They don't know how to do it until they learn it. Right? We got to take the blindfold off. Why? So they can start studying the word of God. So they can start sharing their testimony. And how they got saved. We got it. It's it's a picture of the church. And that's why he took the time and said, loose him. Now look at this next part. It didn't stop at loose him. And let him go. Acts 1. Matthew 28, 18. Church, loose him of his grave clothes and send him out. Just like they did with you. Amen? Just like what was done in my life. Amen? Man, I'll tell, I know what makes you excited. Knowing he's serving Jesus. Right? That floats your boat, doesn't it? Get you excited? Yeah. He's about to go back to Costco over there. You just can't tell. Okay? All right? So let him go. Loose the clothes. Loose those old junk from the world. Let him go. Beautiful picture of discipleship. Mary's life. See the fruit of discipleship. Passage. The Jew. On him. Why? Because they were following Mary. They had a relationship with Mary. 
they knew Mary had poured out a sacrificial offering on the Lord's feet, anointed him, wiped it with her hair. They knew that she loved her brother, loved Jesus. They followed her, and they saw the proof of Jesus. Wouldn't know this day hadn't have been around. That was fruit. But she didn't lead them to Jesus. <laughs> okay. Why? Because she didn't give them the Romans road? That's what we want. I'm not saying don't use the Romans road. If you go grab my tracks right now, guess what you're going to see on them? Romans road. Same. So much more personal than that. It's so much more personal than I accepted Christ as my Savior after lying about being saved for two years in the church. I was the pitcher of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned short of the glory of God. And Jesus was so patient with me. But that didn't change the fact that Romans 6.23, the first part of it says, but the wages of sin is death. I still deserved the wage of separation from God in an eternity. That's what I deserve. Accepting Christ. My, my father gave me Thou shalt be saved. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I did. Called out to him. Did. Lee! Come forth! Because there were people in life that There's been probably disciples. Said, I'll be the vessel Jesus will be the disciple of. What do you say? Guess what they did then? They said, We're tired of you, Lee, go away. But Brother Lee, I ain't ready for that. Okay. If you're not ready for it, God knows it. He's not going to try and do it to you. But Randy made a very clear focus back on Christ. It doesn't say it's the pastor's job going shepherding. Everybody's job to be part of the process. Everybody. Okay? Discipleship. 
discipleship requires that time. What you see in this passage is different, three different times. Okay? Now, it doesn't matter. Here we go. That's a picture of Harrisonville, but you probably can't tell it right now. Where's your mission field? Okay, there you go. There's one. Right? Okay, next one. He's calling. Not me. He's calling. Next one. Oh, get it. Do it as you can. I'm sorry. Jesus is calling. The question is, will you answer the call? He's calling right now. You've heard him tonight. He's calling. Here's the question. Is he calling you out of the tomb? Are you walking in death? Do not have Jesus. He's calling. Is he calling you out of the tomb? If he is, are you willing to answer? Or is he calling you to move the stone? Is there somebody he's got in your life where he's calling you? He's saying, move the stone. I want to call them to life. Move the stone. Are you willing to tell him, yes, I'll move the stone? Is he calling you and telling you, loose him? Is Jesus telling you to disciple somebody? Loose him. Are you willing to answer the call? Is he calling you to be part of the process because he's saying, let him go? He's calling tonight at least four different ways. The question is, are you willing to respond to the call? You can't respond to a call without action. Possible to automatically respond to a call from Jesus. It takes action to respond to the call from Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, that is so fitting for what we've heard this this day. I was going to say this week, this day. So this morning, not everybody was able to be here and uh, pick up on what we were challenged with this morning. But I want you guys to understand that that's that God is calling us. He's calling each and every one of us today. Uh, one of the things that we learned today, and then God just put an exclamation point on it, is that we have to. We have to. You don't have any options. Uh, today is the day to go, to do, right? There is no reason not to share the gospel we, unless we just don't want to obey. Uh, we talked this morning, uh, and, I, and I'm going to tie this together really good because we talked this morning about how important it is to be successful. What is success? It's just simply obeying, right? It doesn't matter. You, we preach the gospel because we're call, called to go. And we go out of obedience. If we're not obedient, then we're not successful. You don't have to. It's not, God, You just sow. God is the one who grows. Remember, we talked about all that. You just sow it, and God grows it. It's up to God to bring the increase. But if we don't sow, if we don't go, right, if we don't take advantage of the opportunity to hear the call on these four points, then, man, uh, we're missing it, right? So we got four things, right? Uh, some of you may be in the tomb, right? You need to be resurrected, you need, to, you need to obey the call of salvation. You need to hear the call of God and respond. Some of us need to move the stone. That's what we learned tonight, right? We need to move 
the stone, the obstacles out of people's way so that they can receive the gospel. You know what that really means in some ways? Let's just be frank. Some of us might be a stumbling block. You know one of the ways you remove stones from people who are locked in the You know what? You can be a stumbling block. That what that what does that mean? You're not our fidelity is not always what it needs to be. We become an obstacle to the gospel because we don't become the gospel. You know what that means in the New Testament? Becoming the gospel means to make the gospel look good. We make it look so bad, stinks, man. It looks like death. And we become the obstacle to the tomb, man. We need to make sure that we become the gospel. We move those stones, those obstacles out of the way. When God says move, we got to move, right? Move those stones. Get it out of the way. Let them go. Loose them. Loose them and, and uh, make disciples, man. That's so good. Just taking and unwrapping uh, you know, the life. How many of us take the word of God and are about that? So in this church, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to get saved. You have an opportunity to learn to grow in grace and learn how to be who God saved you to be so you can help other people come out of the tomb. I mean, that's what it's all about. You don't have to have a PhD in, in Bible. All you got to do is be willing to share. Just obey. Just obey the gospel. Just obey what God tells you to do. And uh, we've been talking about how important it is. Yesterday, after Lee preached, um, one of our young ladies literally went out and led her grandparents to Christ. She just did it. She quit talking about it, quit thinking about it. She sensed the urgency. She goes out to share it with her grandpa who's sick. And then her grandma gets saved, and they both got saved yesterday. I mean, hallelujah to you. That is awesome. That is what it's all about. Yeah. <clears throat> and, man, that is awesome. So, man, we got to lose people. And uh, that's, and uh, you know what, we can't do anything other than obey. It's Jesus that does it. So, man, thank you, brother. Thank you for just walking us through uh, and reminding us that, you know, at the end of the day, God wants to let us go, right? He wants to unleash you on the world. It's a process, isn't it? It's a, it's a step-by-step process. Salvation happens in an instant, uh, but it, there is a process of discipleship, of supernatural growth. And uh, that's, you know, going back into what Randy was talking about, that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to give you the next right step so you can take the next step of obedience. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe you need to take that next step and, and just start sharing the gospel. Just start telling other people how you got saved. I always tell people that get saved, this is the first thing you need to do. You need to, go, you need to just go tell people what you believe to get saved. That's it. And if you don't know it, we'll get your Bible out. Come sit down with somebody. Grab me, grab somebody. We'll sit down and we will walk you back through. Is this what you believe? This is what you're trusting? Because if you don't know how you got saved, then you don't know you're saved. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to know. You've got to be anchored in the Word of God. And so these are, these are the basics. These are the foundational things. But it, that's the thing that we've got to be doing, y'all, because right now time is of the essence. You notice this story as Lee was laying it out, is based on a time frame. Hey, Jesus, we got to get there. Oh, man, it's too late. He's dead. He stinks. There's all these. I love that point. There's all these excuses. You can't, Jesus, it's all messed. Jesus, your timing isn't right. Jesus, he stinks. Jesus, if you were here. Jesus, the only person obeying is the dead person. That was great. I'd actually never seen that. That is awesome. Aren't we like that? God could be calling every one of us, and he is calling all of us right now in different aspects, different ways. And oftentimes what we give him is a bunch of excuses, and we forget. He's about to blow the whistle. 
and we need to make sure people are getting out of the tomb. Uh, he wants us. To, he wants to be glorified. And uh, you've gotten out of the tomb, so let's bring others with you. Amen. That's good. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity tonight just to hear the word of God. Thank you for Brother Lee just bringing a fresh message out of uh, John chapter 11, giving us these four things to consider of getting out of the tomb, moving the stone, loosing him in, in discipleship, and letting them go. Lord, it's so important that we, that we learn and we launch. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray this evening... Uh, thank you for the, the, the word of God. Thank you for the message that you have put on, on uh, Lee's heart and the way he's delivered it tonight and challenged us to embrace the reality of, uh, of your word and obey your word. It's so easy for us to, to just come up with excuses and reasons not to obey. But, but a young Christian in our church yesterday showed us exactly what it's all about. She just went and did it. She just went out. She started a conversation. And uh, that conversation quickly led to salvation. It doesn't always happen that way, but Lord, may we be faithful to be obedient. May we answer the call even tonight. Lord, whether that's a call of salvation, call, Lord, to, to sanctification, Lord, a call to, to be someone in, involved in discipleship so we can impact the glorification of other people's lives for all of eternity. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just quickly, this is a, really a hometown crowd, I know, but is there, by chance, someone in here that is dead and trespassing sins? Lee started off talking about his testimony, lying for two years about salvation, and he was lost. Uh, lost. He knew the answers. He'd been to church. He'd lied. Maybe there, you're a liar, and you need to start there tonight. Is there anyone under the sound of my voice that's a liar that needs to get saved, and you're just going to be honest about it tonight? Just raise your hand where you are. Nobody's looking. I just want to see your hand. Before me and God, just say, Brian, that's me. I'm not mad at you. Anyone at all. Man, if you know in your heart you're lying to God, stop it. Come out of the tomb. Get saved. Trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. He loves you. He died for you. He's alive right now, and he wants to indwell you. He's going to enter you if you just stop. Quit trying and die. And he will, he will resurrect your life. It's amazing. So if I'm talking to you, man, you need to hear it, you need to receive it, but you've got to receive it. Today's the day of salvation. Anyone at all, just one more time, because I'm not thinking of anybody, but I just feel compelled. Anyone? All right, then we're saved. Then let's go. Amen. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. Let's praise God together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for what we've heard today. Lord, let us give us examples of people who we know are in the tomb. And, Lord, help us to remember we can't do anything. Without you, we can do nothing. But, Lord, because you can do all things, Lord, we call upon you, and we need your faith, Lord, as we just heard tonight. We need to remember that we're saved by grace through faith, but that is not of ourselves, Lord. It's your faith. Thank you so much for saving faith. Thank you for dying on the cross in our stead and taking care of that work for us. So all that we have to do is trust in your finished work. Heavenly Father, help us not to be a stumbling block. Help us to roll away those stones. Help us not to to leave people in the tomb. Help us to obey that voice and do what it takes to let people go free. Lord, help us to be those folks that make disciples, that lose people uh, from the bonds of, of, uh, of death, Lord, and help them to go, Lord, and fulfill the mission of God in their life. That's what discipleship's all about. Lord, thank you for Brother Lee Carter. Thank you so much for the things he's teaching us about discipleship, uh, some of the things that, that we've learned even yesterday and tonight. Lord, I pray, God, your blessing on your people. Thank you for the just uh, for just the time we've had tonight. 
I pray, God, a blessing on the decisions that get made this week. Lord, and I do pray, God, that we have vision. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision. Oh, Lord, there's people that perish, starting in our very homes. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to, to, to take your word seriously. Help us to obey. Help us to, be, to believe your word in a way that people can see it so that lives are changed and that miracle of new birth is seen. Lord, help us not just to be teachers, not just to be preachers, but let us to be life changers. Lord, people's lives are changed through knowing you in a very real way, through the process of discipleship, following you obediently. Oh, God, I pray, God, that would be our hearts. I pray, God, that we would see fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains, Lord, before you call us home. Lord, help us to be about your work tonight. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can remain standing. And uh, before we dismiss tonight, thank you, man, Lee, thanks, brother. That was good. Um, uh, Just give you a quick rundown.